across Zoom, virtually across Facebook, virtually across Rock Roku TV. But now we're here in live. We're live. Somebody say all the way live. Hallelujah. Make some noise. Hallelujah. And we're so glad to be here. We're going to ask Deacon, I mean, Elder Tyler, prepare our scriptures. Old Testament scripture. Old Testament scripture. Zechariah, the ninth chapter, verse number nine. And our New Testament is Matthew 21. Verses 6 through 11. I don't know if this is safe to do this. Because I feel good today. <laughs> I feel good today to be back in the house hallelujah, of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What, what yes. the Bible says, how good and lovely it is for brethren to dwell together in yes. unity. There's something happening in this place today. Right. I feel the spirit moving. Whew. Hallelujah. Old Testament scripture. All right. yes, sir. <laughs> Let him use you. Let him use you. Watch out. Hallelujah. Going on ahead now. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Zechariah 9 and 9. And it reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a coat, the fowl of an ass. Then we're going to go over to Matthew chapter number 21. Mm -mm -mm. I'm telling you, the Lord is good. Matthew chapter number 21, verses 6 through 11. Amen. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the coat and put them, put on them their clothes and they sat him on thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As we celebrate today, the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, 
what will you cry? <laughs> the cry crowd. Hosanna. Hosanna. To the highest. But don't get stuck there because that same crowd, First Lady, it's the same crowd that cried on that next Friday. Crucify him. Don't get caught up in the crowd. But be moved by how the Spirit is leading you. I dare you right now to lift from your voices and scream in this place. Hallelujah! And in that welcome, we're simply saying to the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, to simply come in. How many need him to come in this morning? How many need him to come in the house this morning? Now, when John P. Key wrote this song, Cynthia, he was talking about the physical house. Huh? But we need to understand that we need him to come in our house. Yes. So if you don't mind, just pat yourself and say, Lord, Lord come in, come in. My, house. my house. I need you this morning. Put those hands together and let's worship. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. Praise team. Help me do it. Say, come. Come in the house. Come in the house. Come in the house. Lord Jesus, you are. Jesus, you are. Come on, lift come your voice and say it. We're going to say it again. Say, come on in. Come in the house. <laughs> come on in. Come in the house. Lord Jesus, you're Jesus, welcome. Jesus, you are welcome. Come in the house. Let your presence, Let your presence fill the your praise presence fill the house Lord Jesus you're welcome Jesus you are welcome come on in in, come in. in the house let your presence let your presence fill the house presence presence fill the house Lord Jesus you're welcome Jesus you are welcome Let your power fill the house. How many need power this morning? Let your power fill the house. Jesus, you're welcome. Jesus, you are welcome. Come in the house. Say it again. Let your power fill the house. Jesus, you are 
victory today is mine. I claim it, I declare and decree it in the atmosphere. Hallelujah, that we are more than conquerors through you, Lord. Bless our praise team as they minister, Lord. Hallelujah, let the words that they sing, Lord, penetrate our hearts, Lord. Hallelujah, that we will be lifted up. And when we leave this place, we won't leave in the same way that we came. Oh, Lord, we're looking for you to move in a miraculous way today. And we praise you. We lift you up because praise is our breakthrough. Amen. To you be all the glory, all the and all the praise. Hallelujah. We magnify you, Lord, and lift you up on high. In the blessed, precious, matchless name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. That we can say we are the redeemed of the Lord. Forgiven. No longer is our sins. Amen. Hanging over our head because you paid the price. And we love you for it. And we want to worship you. We desire you, Lord, as never before. And as we draw nigh unto you, we know that you will draw nigh unto us. Now, henceforth and for now, forever and ever and evermore. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, I don't hear you. Amen. Amen, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. All right, hallelujah. hallelujah. Jesus, you are welcome. Jesus, you're welcome. Jesus, you are welcome. Jesus, you're welcome. Jesus, you are welcome. Jesus, you're welcome. Jesus, you are welcome. Jesus, you are welcome. Jesus, you are welcome. Lord, we need 
you right now. Oh, come in, come in, come in, come in. Come in, come in, come in, come in. Come in, come in, come in, come in. Come on 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 in the house. Come on in. Come in the house. Come on in. Everybody just said this morning. Yes, we need him in grace and mercy this morning. Hallelujah. But you need him here more. Tell him. I need you in my house. You're welcome in my house. Have your will, Lord. Have your will, Lord. I just say, come in. Come in. Lord Jesus, you're welcome. Hallelujah. Come on in. Amen. The house. Well, the Bible tells us over in Romans, the eighth chapter, round about verse number 28. For we know that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord, who are the call according to his, you know it, mother, his glory. Look at the neighbor saying, it's for your good. I dare you, I dare you. <laughs> for I know, for I know that all things work together for my good. For I know that all things work together for my good. For I know that all things work together for my good. For I know that all things work together for my good. It's for my good. It's for my good. It's for my good. Everybody, 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 everybody
your hands. Everybody clap your hands. It's for my good. It's for. It's for my good. confessions to total deliverance and blessings. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Here we go. It is written. It is written. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Joint heir. Joint heir. 
and fellow citizen, and fellow citizen of the kingdom of God. Of the kingdom of God. It is written. It is written. I am well. I am well. And in good health. And in good health. In my mind. In my mind. Body. Body. Soul. Soul. And spirit. And it is written. It is written. I am prospering. I am prospering in the Lord. In the Lord, as my soul prospers. As my soul prospers. Enjoying. Enjoying the benefits. The benefits of His riches. Of His riches in glory. In glory and those on this earth. And those on this earth. It is written. It is written. I am walking. I am walking in the blessings. In the blessings of the Lord. Of the Lord this day. This day. It is written. It is written. By faith. By faith. I have no need. I have no need. As he supplies. As he supplies. The desires of my heart. The desires of my heart. It is written. It is written. By faith. By faith. I have no care. I have no care. For I gave them. For I gave them. All to him. All to him. It is written. It is written. The grace. The grace. Mercy. Mercy. Peace. Peace. And love of God, and love of God shall, rule shall rule my mind, my, mind, my, heart, my heart, my life, my, life, my, soul, my soul, my spirit, my, spirit, my, emotions, my emotions, my desires, my desires this, day, this day. For I am, for I am truly, truly, wonderfully, wonderfully abundantly, abundantly, magnificently, magnificently awesomely, awesomely, stupendously, stupendously Blessed, blessed by the one, by the one who, is, who is and was and, was and, is, to come. and is to come. The Lord God, the Lord God Almighty, Almighty, the creator, the creator of, the heavens, of the heavens and the earth. And the earth. My, El Shaddai, my El Shaddai, my Elohim, my Jehovah Rapha, my Jehovah Jireh, my Jehovah Tiskanu. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Put your hands together and bless the Lord like you know who he is. He is what we need him to be. What we need him to be is he is our everything. Hallelujah.
<laughs> I kinda feel like the room is the rules of as Jesus was riding by. I'm excited. So I just want to say I thank God for who he is. I thank God for who he, who he is in every one of you. And I'm so thankful and blessed to be able to be here to see you all, to worship and praise the Lord together with you all. Thank you, God, for being back in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For we know that there is nothing that we can do without him. There is nothing that we can do without We are nothing without him. If ain't nobody noticed that through all this stuff, I'm going to tell you I noticed. I've always known, but I have noticed that there is nothing, and I am nothing without him. Hallelujah. I just worship him on that right now. Lord, there is nothing, and I am nothing without you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we bless your holy name, Jesus. You're worthy in this place, Jesus. Mm -hmm. In him do I live, move, and have my being. In him do I live, move, and have my being. In him do I live, move, and have my being. In him do I live, move, and have my being. It's in him that I live, move, and have my being. In him do I live, move, and have my being. Oh, in him do I live, move, and have my being. Oh, lift your hands, you're nothing without him. 
submit to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we worship, we worship. Oh, we worship, we worship. I'm nothing without you. 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 
together but now that we're back we pray the praise team wants to encourage you and help you to know that all you've been through all you're going through right now look over at your neighbor and tell him he will make it all right he'll make it all right i didn't hear you Look at the neighbor on your other side. You should be six feet anyway. Tell him you he'll make it. He'll make it. He'll make it. All right. You know what? Put your hands together like this, everybody. Go. I can't hear you. All right, praise him. Let's give him the message. He'll make it all right. 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 He will. He will. He'll make it all right. 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 Encourage somebody and tell them, he'll make it all right. He'll make it all right. He'll make it all right. Try it again. Look at the neighbor. Tell him he'll make it all right. He'll make it I can't all hear you. right. He'll make it all right. He'll make it all he right. Will. He will. He'll make it all right. 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 No matter what you're going through. He's going to see you through. He will, he will, he will. He'll make it all right. Oh, oh, oh. Look at this. Watch this. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. God is able. God is able. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. He will supply. He will supply. Whatever you Make it all right. He'll make it 
all right. He'll make it all right. He'll make it all right. He will. He will. He'll make it all right. 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 Say to your neighbor, tell him he'll make it all right. Yes, he will. He'll make it. He'll make it all right. Yes, he will. Let's try that first one again. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. God is able. God is able. Whatever you need. Whatever you need.
GMFC's praise team. Did y'all miss them? Did you miss them? Amen. Amen. Mother, we got in here Friday. And oh my God. I said, is this Sunday morning already? Hallelujah. I want y'all to put your hands together for our guest drummer this morning. His name is Brother Carlos Brown. Give him some love this morning, Brother Carlos. Amen. 
He helped us out this morning real good. He helped us real good. Helped us real good. Helped us real good. Well, we got a special guest this morning. We're so excited to see Sister Rosa back this morning. Show Sister Rosa some love. Amen. Amen. And she has her little daughter who's going to sing for us this morning. Uh-huh. She's going to sing real loud and clear. Uh-huh. Come on up, sweetheart. Come on up. Come on up. Her name is Symphony. Symphony, give her some love as she comes in her own way.
Train up a child and they should where they should go. She said, I'll be dancing in the spirit. Ah. Look at it. Now she didn't got slain. She done fell in the floor. Hallelujah. <laughs> she just sang her own self happy. God bless you. 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 Amen. Just before our bishop comes, and we've been hearing him. Y'all been following him on Facebook and following him on Zoom and following him everywhere he was at. Well, we're going to get to hear him live here this morning. Huh? We're going to get to hear him live here in the moment. But before we come, me and Sister Rhonda have a little duet we want to do for y'all this morning. Y'all all right with that? Y'all all right? Song simply says, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. <laughs> Father God, we ask that you will bless these gifts that have been given on this morning. Let them be used for the building of thy kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. If your soul's been anchored in the Lord, put your hands together. Though the storms keep on raging in, my life and sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day still that hope 
that lies within is reassured as I put my eyes upon the distant shore I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared but if the winds don't cease and if the winds keep on blowing my Sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day. Still that hope that lies within is reassured. As I keep my eyes upon the distant shore, I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared. Oh, but if the storms, they don't cease, and just in case the winds and those sorrows just keep blowing in my life. My soul has been anchored in the Lord. Oh, 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 oh. but if the storm.
gonna go nowhere. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, no, no, no. My soul, hold you everything that I need each and every day. Oh, my, my soul has been anchored in the Hallelujah. Turn this one up just a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to have to make some adjustments. Just uh, bear with me here for a second. Just keep praising the Lord. Just keep praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for filling in. Amen. 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 Salute your neighbor and then take a seat. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Young man, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate you lending your talents and gifts here in the house of God. Thank you so much. Brother Tony, thank you so much for your service and sacrifice to both God and his work in this house. We're excited about what God is doing. We're so good uh, to find ourselves back here in the house of God. We're just thankful to the Lord for each and every one of you that pressed your way out. How many of you enjoyed symphony? Amen, amen, amen. She did such a wonderful job. Thank you so much, darling. That was beautiful. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, it is truly good to be in the land of the living. Hallelujah. It wasn't too much uh, more than a year ago that we all were locked down and the president at that time was hoping that the church could return by Easter. And then we know the story. The whole year pretty much locked down and kind of turmoil everywhere. But we're so glad that we are here together today and we can look back. And just tell the devil, after everything you threw at us over this last year, we're still here. You tried to silence us, we still found a way to talk. Hallelujah. You tried to separate us, but God brought us back together. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't we serve a good God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're just thankful to the Lord. I'm going to try to behave, do, do, do the best that I can to just speak into your life. I just want to share with you what's going on. This is Palm Sunday 2021, and we know that this is the day that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of David where they stood in masses, waving palms and singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, giving praise, glory to his name. To only a week later, the celebration and the celebrating party turned into a lynch mob. Hallelujah. But it was all predestined by God so that you and I could be here today to celebrate. Hallelujah. It was Jesus' triumphal entry into the city, but by the end of the week, it was our triumphal entry into eternity. Hallelujah. And that's something that we ought to be glad about. That's something that we ought to be excited about. Because if Jesus had not come into the city and been crucified at the end of that week, been buried and then arose, we would have no triumph today. But thanks be to God that he overcame hell, death, and the grave for you and I. Hallelujah. That today in the year 2021, with everything going on and everything that's been happening in our society, we can still say, I have hope that shall not be shaken. 
because I know what God has done. And my eternity is secure in him. Hallelujah. We're just so thankful to God for his truth, his grace, his love, and his peace. I don't really have the traditional, um, as they call it, Palm Sunday sermon. I'm not really going to talk a whole lot about his entry into the city. We've done that. We've studied it. We've talked about it. We've preached about it. I just want to talk to you about something that's important because of it. We're living in a day when your identity is everything. As a matter of fact, your identity is so important that people will honor you according to what you identify yourself as, even if what you identify yourself as is not what other people see you as. As long as you say, I identify myself as this, then not only will people honor you for it, but the government is even placing laws into place to force people to recognize what you identify yourself as. Period. This is why now, pretty much, we're moving to a day where there really is no male or female bathroom. There's just a bathroom. And whatever you feel like you are that day is the bathroom you can go into. Hallelujah. We need some help in this world. Hallelujah. It makes you think about going to the public restroom. But that's where we're going in this world. And this is why identification is so vitally important. Because your identification opens access to a variety of things. Understanding who you are is vital to your success in this life and in the life to come. Your identity is connected also to your prosperity in this life. What you identify yourself as in this life is connected to whether you will be successful or not in this life. And we're going to talk about this just for a few moments. We left off last week talking about how God was with Moses and his command to Moses was that he would be with him when he went to the people to give them instructions on what to do to prepare to leave the uh, nation of uh, Egypt to go into a land that he has prepared for them. And Moses is having this conversation with God. He's talking to God, trying to get an understanding and grasp first who it is that he is that God would send him and who it is that God is. And we left off talking uh, about or preparing to talk about God's providence. God's providence. I want you to understand that the world looks like everything is out of control. 
and it looks like chaos is ruling, but everything is under the providence of God. Nothing can happen lest the Lord allow it. We have to understand, we may not always agree that uh, the Lord should have allowed something to happen, but everything that is occurring is occurring because God has allowed it. Now, you have to understand, there are reasons behind certain things happening. There are uh, reasons why uh, there's crime and there's uh, poverty and there's hatred and there's uh, bigotry and there's racism and there's all these different things going on in the world. It, it's to the point now where when we don't agree with each other, that's an indicator and an identifier that because I don't agree with you, I must hate you. We can no longer disagree and still be able to get along with each other. If we don't see eye to eye, then we hate each other or I'm biased towards whatever or uh, I'm some other, you know, name that they give, you know, to people that don't agree with other people. You're living in a day where you're not really allowed to have your own opinion even though they tell you to have your own opinion. We're living in a nation where freedom isn't free. Where your amendment to have your speech not altered is altered every day. You have the right to say what you want only when what you want to say doesn't offend somebody. And really, when it's only a certain type of offense that's brought against somebody. But we have to understand that even though there are stimulus that, and I'm not talking about the check. There is stimulus behind all these things, but at the end of the day, everything falls under the providence of God. And though the promise of God's presence in and of itself, the knowledge that God will always be with you should be enough, Moses needed to get some extra stuff before he was willing to step out on the commands of God. So this is what God says to him, Exodus 3 and 12. This shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So God is making a declaration about a worship service that's going to take place in the future in a geographic location where he and Moses were currently, but was not the current location of the nation of Israel. God's promise that he was going to so direct providence in creation, outside influence, external circumstances, and even divine intervention was going to take place so that Moses would bring the nation of Israel to the very place that God and Moses were now having a conversation. When you think about everything that was occurring in that day, that is a tremendous 
promise. And this was going to encompass the deliverance of Israel who were in slavery to Egypt. And it meant that Moses would be successful in bringing Israel out of Egypt. When you look at what God is declaring to them, God is telling Moses about something that's going to occur that's in direct contradiction to the limited freedom that they had. But God was telling them something about the freedom that they were going to have at the instructions of, it, of Moses from him. Now, you would think that this promise would encourage Moses. And, uh, you know, we all like uh, to be promised success. Most of us, you know, we don't want to be promised defeat. We want to be promised success. We want to know that the things we put our hands to are going to prosper. They're going to work out for us. Now, the part of the promise that we don't like is the process. When I was young and we would go places, I liked to go places, but I didn't always like the journey. That's why kids nowadays and, and, and even adults now say, are we there yet? Because they don't really enjoy the journey. They just want to get to the destination. When you're cooking food, now I, I've adopted a new, a new habit, as they would say, or a, um, a hobby, and that's smoking meat. I really enjoy smoking meat. My wife, on the other hand, enjoys the smoked meat but does not necessarily enjoy the waiting period before you get to the smoked meat. She wants to have dinner ready when dinner is supposed to be ready, and depending on what I'm going to smoke, it, dinner may be late if I don't get started early. But that is so true with many of us. We don't like the journey to our destination. And because the promise is so beautiful, we expect that the journey is going to go without bumps. But God didn't promise Moses that there wasn't going to be difficulty. The only thing that God promised Moses was that he was going to be successful. Moses is going to overcome all the difficulties he would face. When God promises you something and you're in the journey to get to where God promised you were going to get to, when difficulty comes up to prevent you from getting there, the first thing that ought to pop into your mind is this has no more power or authority to divert the word of God, so... This, too, can't stop me. But that's not typically how we look at it. We look at the obstacle as a means to prevent us from getting to our destination. We look at things that come up in our life as a means of stopping us from being successful at what we're trying to be successful at. How many of you have heard of The Rock? 
he has this really crazy television show on um, that deals with his, you know, life. And he's telling this story. Now, I've heard his testimony, so I can condense all the episodes into just a few words. He, like so many other people, believed something about himself and was on the path of being very successful at it. He joined Miami football team, the University of Miami football team, and then was injured. And he struggled until his father pretty much told him to suck it up. And then he realized that that injury should not prevent him from becoming what he knew he could become. Because he identified himself as a hard worker. And because he identified himself as a hard worker, he understood that if he kept doing what he identified himself as, he would get what he had been working for. The injury would not stop him. And, and, and we know he's, you know, one of the, uh, he was one of the most prominent uh, Fake wrestlers, uh, I mean real wrestlers, um, you know, in, in, in the WWE and took that on to becoming a, a movie mogul and all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, you look at him, he's huge. I mean, he is huge. Um, a lot of guys would like to look like him, you know, if, if only from the neck down. But. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but if y'all like his face, I I wasn't going to put that out there. Hallelujah. But he worked. Now, he'll tell you he didn't always like the work that had to be put in. But he understood that if he didn't put the work in, he couldn't get to where he was trying to get to. Now, magnify that by the promise of God that you will get to where you're going. Because, in fact, Jesus has already put the work in. And because Jesus has put the work in, all you need to do is stand upon the finished work of Christ. But you can't stand on what you do not identify with. God's promised us great success. In this life and in eternity through Jesus. But he never promised that we would not have difficulty in life. As a matter of fact, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. We have to stop, especially in Christendom, living this idea of a fairy tale world where because now we believe in Jesus, nothing's ever going to go wrong for us. We're going to have every material thing that we want. We're only going to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. This is the falsehood that Many have adopted as what Christianity is supposed to bring to them. 
In fact, society wants people to believe this false utopia and pursue after it themselves. Movies depict this type of escape from reality. But that's what a movie is, an escape from that which is real. Even reality television isn't real. You do know that it's scripted, right? I'm just checking because sometimes, you know, it's just like everything on the Internet is true. If it's on the Internet, it's true, right? We have a warped sense of what reality really is. But in life, you'll find that everyone wants to be a prince and everyone wants to be a princess. But if you're around here any time, you'll find out that life just doesn't work like that. As a matter of fact, if you're paying attention to the things that are going on around you, you will see that the world is, in fact, tearing itself apart from the seams. What was once sacred and innocent, our children, are now touched by violence and evil in this world. They've gone from, in many cases, being the victims of horrific violence to being the perpetrators of that same horrific violence. I just read an article about the extent that the enemy is going to go to to promote his brand. Did you know that uh, the, uh, our enemy, the devil, has a promotion company? And he's, he, he's hired some people to promote his brand and one of the one of the things that was said, uh, you got you got this is how deceived people are. One of the things that was said by a very prominent individual um, in in the music industry was, "I would rather reign in hell than serve in heaven." This is how twisted the enemy has caused the minds of humanity to become. They, they think that hell is a part of the kingdom of darkness when it is the prison for those in the kingdom of darkness. There is no reigning in hell at all. But they would cause you to believe that. Now, there's this sneaker that's in the process of being released supposed to be sometime March or April, and it's designed specifically to promote the devil. It bears the mark of the beast, 666, and it's even reported to be made with one drop of human blood. The sneaker is designed so that when you walk, the bottom red slushes back and forth to show like a movement of blood. It bears a pentagram on its tongue. And the scripture from Luke where Jesus declares, I saw Lucifer fall from heaven to the earth like lightning. Life is full of mess. But thanks be to God, he will deliver us out of them all. 
It does not matter what we may have to endure. It may not matter what you may see. Jesus has prayed that your faith not fail. You can and you will get through everything that life throws at you. Because God promised you are going to get somewhere. So everything that comes up, everything the enemy throws in your way, really has no power to block you. There's a new television show, if you know we haven't been doing much but watching TV. That's all you can do in society right now. But they, there's a new television show called Lois and Clark. And that deals with Superman. And he has two sons. And one of his sons is starting to demonstrate powers. So his son joined the football team. Now, prior to joining the football team and realizing he had powers, he was kind of a wimpy kid that had some emotional issues and kind of kept to himself. But once he realized he had some powers, he was a little stronger than everybody else. Once he stopped identifying himself with his weakness and started identifying himself with he was the son of Superman, that means that the DNA of Superman was in him. That means that because he is connected biologically to Superman, there are some things that he can do. So in football practice, they have this thing where two people run into each other. I'm not a football player. But they run into each other, and one tries to knock the other one down or get by them or however the drill goes. So they send the kids in one by one to try to block him. And he's blowing them. Like, I don't even know why in the show that somebody didn't say, that don't look right. Because natural humans can't do or knock somebody back that far. But kids were flying like feet in the air. And he's just standing there. And they're all like, you know how kids do, whoa, when they get that good hit. But he begun to understand what he was connected to. You ought to look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor, do you understand what you're connected to? Many of us are going to go through some things, and we're going to respond to the things that we go through based upon our understanding of who we are. And unfortunately for many of us, our response will typically be negative to that which is causing the issue in our life simply because we have disconnected the knowledge of who we are in Christ, which means I'm successful, and connected ourselves to our humanity, which means I'm going to fail. You see, our humanity is going to fail. And when you start looking at yourself through the lens of your humanity, you will find that you will always feel like you're going to fail. 
You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You don't know the right people. You don't have the right connections. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough influence. You just, you just don't have the it factor. I'm just, I'm just not the, the one that people gravitate to. I'm the one that people gravitate away from. I feel like Linus, that there's a cloud of something following me throughout my life. And I begin to identify myself with that so then when trouble comes my way, the expectation then is connected to my inability to be successful because everything in life fails. Everything in life fails. Did you know that? Everything in your natural life fails. I'll explain it to you because some people are shaking their head like, no, it, it ain't nothing failing in my life. It does. Everything in natural life fails. You are growing old to die. Death is failure. If you quit your job today or you get fired today, what else is going to fail? Your bank account. Your bank account is connected to you being able to put some money into it. The typical way, the legal way of putting money into your account is connected to a job. But jobs don't last. If we haven't learned anything over this last year, what we thought was common and normal and would always be has been shaken. As a matter of fact, I remember a scripture that says there's a shaking coming and only that which is unshakable shall remain. But everything in life fails. Relationships fail. If they don't fail on the emotional level, they will fail because one of you is going to die. If not the both of you before the Lord's return. The only thing that is eternal is God. And because God is eternal, when you identify with him through Christ, you become connected to that which cannot fail. I told you last Sunday that God gives orders, but when he gives orders, he gives promises with them. The promises are meant to remove hesitation that our flesh develops to prevent us or to try to uh, keep us from obeying what God has said. So because we struggle with who we are, oftentimes when we're trying to identify ourselves with God, the struggle is based upon our lack of understanding of who God is. So I want to identify myself with God, I want to identify myself according to what God has said or see life through the lens of Christ, see things how he sees them, but I struggle in understanding who he is, which then limits my ability to see life as he sees it. So let's just talk about this. Because you know that prior to, this is Palm Sunday, prior to Jesus coming into the city, 
the whole world was in an identity crisis. You see, when God created man, our identity was the reflection of God. That's who, our, that's who we were. We were identified as the glory of God, the crown uh, or the jewel of the crown of creation. That was our identity. Our identity came under attack and our identity was stolen but when Jesus came into the city, he came in to restore our identity. I said I was going to be good. So as we're looking at the text in Exodus, Moses poses this question. The first question was, who am I? Now the second concern is, who are you? Moses is concerned about the name of God. This week when I was fasting, and I shared this with my wife, I came under great spiritual attack. And the moment I demanded to know the name of the demonic power that was coming against me, I said, I demand to know your name. It fled. Because it knew that if I knew what its name was, the authority that I am identified with, you'll get this after a while, Exodus 10 and 13, and Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers have sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? There are some specific factors involved in this specific concern of Moses about knowing the name of God. Uh, there's the relevance of his concern, there is actual resistance noted in his concern, and there is a tremendous revelation released in his concern. I don't have time to get through all of it today, but I just want to touch on it a, a little bit. Moses asking the name of God is very in, uh, a very important question. As a matter of fact, it's a question that many of us in our time with God should ask. What's one of the things that parents ask their children when their children say they're getting ready to go hang out with somebody? With who? Who are you going to hang out with? And, and what, what the kids normally say? They, they give a nickname. Well, who's that? Where they live? Who are their parents? What's their full name? I don't know. I just, I just know him as this. That's typically how relationships are today. You would not be surprised, or maybe you would, how many times in my secular job I interviewed the victim of a crime where the perpetrator of that crime had an intimate relationship with the victim, but the victim 
legitimately, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the ones that were just trying to protect the offender, but legitimately could not tell me who the assailant was, but they have been intimate with each other. And I'm not talking about like they just met. I'm talking about they've been hanging out for a while. But they don't know each other's full name. There's a problem there. There's a problem there. It's important to know who you with. Sometimes we have made God so distant and disconnected from us, we're afraid to talk to him, to ask him to identify who he is to us. And if we lack understanding of who he is, you cannot understand who you are in him. It becomes impossible. So knowing the name of God is important. It helps you know God. And because you know him, you know what he's about, it helps you to serve him and to honor him. And all these things are very relevant to the call that's on Moses' life and the call that is on each and every one of your lives. Requesting to know the name of God is a request, in essence, to know about God. Because the names of God declare the character of God. The name of a person or a thing is intended to detail something about that person or that thing. In times past, this was really the customary way that we would name things. We would give names according to what our expectation was when we named our children. This is what we typically did. We expected great things of them and we created a name or we took a name that connected them to those things. You don't see a lot of kids or uh, a lot of parents nowadays calling their kids Hitler. That's just not a name you use. But before Hitler was Hitler, somebody liked Hitler and named their kid Hitler. But you're not seeing that now because that connects your child to some very horrific things in today's culture names are chosen for people and places unfortunately for nothing more than sentimental reasons or because the sound of the name you know sounds good I remember Whatever prominent movie is out, you often find children born in that time period named after characters in the movie. But the names of God are not given because they sound good or because they have no meaning. The names of God detail important truths about the character of God. And these truths encourage you to put your faith in him because you start understanding who he is. And once understanding enters in, you have a foundation for your own identification. The psalmist says it like this in Psalm 9 and 10. And they that know thy name 
will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. You ought to go seek after God and ask him who he is. Times we were in fasting this week, times of fasting and prayer are excellent opportunities to go talk to God about who he is. Because the more you understand about who he is, the more you're going to understand about who you are. The more you understand about who he is, the more you're going to know about what you have access to. The more you understand about who he is, the more you're going to know about your strength and power and authority over your enemies. The more you know about who he is, the greater you will become, not just in the life to come, but in the life right now. So then when the world tries to take something from you, something that you labored over, something that you brought into existence, something that doesn't belong to anybody else but you, when you put your trust in him because you know who he is, God will restore. You have to understand who you are in God. Because when you understand who you are in God, At the end of the tunnel is always success. The very thing you're seeking after is waiting for you. In fact, the very thing you're seeking after will start seeking after you when you stop seeking after it and start seeking after God. Everything in God will gravitate towards you like you're the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, the the name that God gives in response to the question that's posed by Moses enlightens us with insight about his character. It discloses some very significant and very fundamental truths about God. Now, I know that we're living in a day where, you know, there's a whole lot of truths. They're called your truth. Um, I, I think that's really an oxymoron to tell you the truth, if something is true, it's true. If it's true for you and not true for you, then it ain't true. Truth is true for everybody. Let me say that again. Truth does not need you to qualify it. Truth stands on its own feet. Truth doesn't care if you think it's true. It's true without you. The world wants you to believe lies are truth. And truth is a lie. Truth is disclosed. In understanding who God is, because he said, I am the way. He didn't say the truths. He said the truth. That tells me there's only one truth. And when you connect yourself to anything but that one truth, you're destined to come up short. But knowing these things should encourage 
should bring trust into picture, into the picture. In the case of Moses, Moses understanding who God is could then stand on the foundation of what God has declared about the emancipation of Israel from Egypt. And it should also reveal something to you about your emancipation from the Egypt that's in and around each of you. There's a phrase that we used to say, you can take the boy out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of the boy. This is something that's really spoken by people who have not foundationally understood the truth of what the name of God is. Because in truth, the issue is not where the boy is from, but where the boy is taken to. Or rather, who it is that is doing the taking. When the wrong things motivate or move you, they will eventually cause failure to exist in your destination. Things in this life are temporal and they have a life's expectancy. How many of you go to the store and when you're looking for the milk carton, you look all the way in the back. You don't want the ones that are all the way up front because you know that those are the ones that's closer to expiring and you want some time to enjoy that milk. So you look for the one that's stamped with the oldest or the, you know, the farthest away date, which is typically way back in the back. I've seen people take cartons out and put them on the floor till they get all the way to that back one. First lady in Costco will have me crawling in the freezer to get that back one, and then she'll double check it. Did you get the oldest one? Because she has an expectancy that that's going to last a certain amount of time. Now, here's the glorious truth. If you're functioning within its life expectancy, that milk going to taste pretty good. It's, it's going to really be, it's going to be all right. But let that expectancy date come. Now, if you're like, I'll just say me, I don't really like throwing stuff out. So when it gets to the day, if there's like, you know, some left, what do you do? You take the top off and you smell it. You look in it, you shake it around to see if anything is floating. You know, has this milk curdled yet? And, and, and if, it, if, it, if it smells okay and it still looks okay, you'll do what you need to do with the milk. And then what do you do? It's past his life expectancy, but what do you do? You stick it back in the refrigerator, hoping that tomorrow is going to still be okay. But eventually, you're going to get to that point where you open it, and it stinks. Or when you pour it out, it clumps. And, and, and you know now if, if you if you if you attach yourself to that, you're gonna regret it. It's gonna upset some some things in your life. Because there's a life expectancy on 
that milk. And when we use temporal things or things that have a defined end of life, then we have to surmise that when the end of the object's life comes, it dies, and everything connected to it dies with it. This is why when you understand money's temporal, right? The almighty dollar, about 23 cent value. The almighty dollar, you know it's temporal. All I've been hearing over the last year is, print some more money. Send out another stimulus check. Everyone's excited about that stimulus check. You don't realize that's got to be paid for some way. You know, the more money they print, the less the value of the money we don't have enough gold, which is the value behind our currency, to continue to enhance our currency's value. Now, what you don't understand is right now we've isolated this and looked at it just as us, but the problem is, is that that affects our economy. And our economy touches everybody. Not just in America, but across the world. But we're quick to say, sign that bill, $9 trillion. Yeah, sign it. And have no idea how we're going to pay for it. And then we, we fall into the political arguing back and forth. And then we want to blame one party or another because one party is saying another party doesn't want to help anybody. Now, I'm not talking politics. I'm talking life expectancy. When you attach yourself to anything that has an end date, there's an end date on your success. This is why wealthy people, when they lose all their money, it's not uncommon for them to commit suicide. Because the end date came on their wealth. They were identified by their wealth when their wealth left they lost their identity and because they lost their identity they lost reason for life where is your identity attached on that which is temporal or that which is eternal I don't want to be attached to something that has an end date. I want every time I go to know it's got more than enough left for me. When you understand who God is, it enhances your ability to serve and it empowers you for success in your service. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, I came to serve. But the world has caused you to believe that service is a dirty 
thing. We connect service to slavery when service and slavery are not the same thing. Slavery is subjugation of one people by another people. Service is the willing act of one person for another person. They're not the same thing. Daniel 11 and 32 says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. When you know God, you have the potential to do exploits. You have the potential to do exploits. That means that when I'm looking at you, all I see is potential to do amazing things. And did you notice? My nose did not grow. That must mean I'm telling you the truth. I see potential in this room. The potential to do God stuff. And when you understand who God is and what you're attached to, you'll find out that the impossible has become possible for you. You'll find out that when the system is against you, you can make the system work for you. Because where you used to think the system had the authority, because you understand who you are, and that the authority actually resides in you, you cause that which is subjugated by your authority to fall in line to what you say. This is why it's so important to understand who you are because when you get challenged with something in life, we typically, in the authority that we've been given, speak things that we really don't want to happen. Man, this ain't going to work out. And then you get frustrated when it don't work out. Well, that's what you said. You, you said it ain't going to work out. What's it supposed to do? It's supposed to not work out. You have to understand who you are. When, so understand this. When, when a man and woman get married, they cease being individuals, so they're not I identified as uh, singles anymore. They're identified as what? A couple, right? So if they're now a couple, for them to be successful, they have to function as a couple. They cannot function as an individual. If they function as an individual, they're connecting their identity of their marriage to something that will not cause a couple to prosper. Because when you are single, you are self-focused. But when you're married, you become dual-focused. And if you're in a dual-focused situation, but functioning with a single focus mentality, your dual thing ain't gonna work. 
It's just not going to work. You're identifying yourself with something that is not created to be successful in your environment. If every time my wife and I got into an argument, I went to go live with my mother, I'm not thinking of myself in line with who I am now. I'm thinking in line with who I was before I got married. Now watch this. When I'm looking for that respite at mom's, I'm connecting myself to an identity that breaks union with what I just became. When I function in what I am, I cause success to come on it because the reasons that I'm running away become things that I put in order. So instead of chaos chasing me, I put chaos in order. But I can't do that if I don't truly understand who I am. I, I can't do that if I keep seeing myself as something that had an end date. So my singleness had an end date. That end date was May 22nd, 1991. That was the end date of my singleness. So I could no longer after that day think as a single man. And I shouldn't be hanging with people predominantly that if all my friends in that point are single and I don't change my influential surrounding, it's going to become more difficult for me to stop thinking like a single and thinking like somebody that's married because the thought process is different. The, the focus is different. Amen? But a lot of us want to be married and single too. But there's an end date. There's a life expectancy on your singleness if you intend to get married. And you need to understand that. You see, knowing what sort of person God is, is going to have a big effect on how you serve God. And I'm going to close with this. Moses is about to embark on some great service for God. And he needed to know God, but not just know God. He needed to know God well so that he could serve God well. Those who know God best will serve God best. A poor knowledge of God will result in poor service for God. This is why I'm constantly teaching 
the importance of never negating your service to God in prayer and fasting and reading of, of the Word of God because those are the direct access points to knowing and learning and becoming more intimate with the God that you serve which connects you to the benefits involved in your service for him. You see, when you know him, it teaches you what you can expect from him. This is why there's so much distraction in your life. The enemies of the faith do not want you to know who he is, because if you find out who he is, then you will find out who you are. And when you find out who you are, you will know what you can do. And when you find out what you can do, you will find out what your enemy can't. Why do you think the greatest strength of the devil is deception? If the devil had the power to physically cause you to do something, he wouldn't have to deceive you. But the devil, see, the devil understands his identity. And he doesn't try to do things that he can't. If all it took for the devil to mess you up was just put demons in your life that just handcuff you and make you go where you don't want to go and do what you don't want to do, then that's exactly what the devil would do. But he can't. The only way the devil can get you tripped up is by making you trip over your own feet. You ever watch a baby learn how to walk? You see, they're not really sure yet what they're capable of. They, they know I got these two things down here, and, and they got to be meant for something. And the crawling is okay, but it, it, it's limited in what I'm able to do. And they're starting to develop an understanding of what they're capable of. And once they learn to steady themselves on their feet, they start to walk. And before they even have walking down, what do, what do babies do? They run. You see, that's what the devil's afraid of. The devil's afraid that you're going to get from the place of not really fully understanding what you're capable of to excelling. Babies don't wait to walk good and then run, they typically start running before they can really walk good. That's why you got to put all those little cushions and cones and stuff on your furniture so they don't bust their head wide open when they tripping while they running because they ain't really figured out how to walk yet. But this is what the enemy is afraid of. The enemy is afraid that when Jesus came into the city and restored your identity in him, that you're going to figure out, wait a second, the devil is under my feet. I was thinking all this time that he was the prince of the power of the air. But he's really beneath my feet. 
You know, the old folks used to say, oh, stomp on the devil's head. What do you think, what do you think shouting is all about? You dancing on top of your enemy, celebrating your victory over your enemy. This is why sometimes in your life, when life is throwing everything at you, you ought to just get into a corner of your house and just start to dance. Why? Because I am Judah and I go first. Praise precedes everything. Praise shows my enemy I know who I am. And because I know who I am and what I'm connected to, I cannot fail. Because I'm connected to the very thing that knows no failure. I'm connected to the thing that knows no defeat. This is why I can become more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. The journey may not always be what you want it to be. If you look at the journey of Christ as he entered the city, it started good. Nice Rolls Royce camel or donkey, horse, whatever it was. Had the little gold emblem on the front that would sing. And he's riding in and people are throwing palms at him and they're singing his praises. It's a wonderful entry into the city. That's a beautiful beginning to the journey. Do you know that most Christianity starts with a beautiful journey? You know that moment when you come to the knowledge of who God is and, 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 and you feel the shedding of all the weight of the world when you've really begun to accept who he is and, and you accept him in your life and the, the, the God of all gods pours into you the breath of life again by the indwelling gift of the Holy Ghost. You, you're empowered. You feel free. It's, it's a wonderful beginning to your Christian journey and, and, and then life. So as you're continuing down that road, that journey gets difficult. You got potholes and you have breakdowns and you have all kinds of issues in your journey. Jesus betrayed sold out for 30 pieces of silver. He goes into the garden and he's praying till his sweat is like blood. The journey is difficult at times. But he knew where he was going. And he knew what he was connected to could get him to his destination. He knew that what I came to accomplish, I'm going to accomplish. And that's when the enemy turns the heat up. You see, you thought it was bad when they were mocking him and, 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 and doing all that stuff and he's betrayed. And, and, and that's terrible. But then they take him into prison. They rip hair 
from his face. They hit him and tell them, tell him to prophesy who hit you because he's blindfolded. They beat him. They beat him with an instrument that is designed to inflict the most amount of physical damage to the body without killing you. The Bible declares that he was beat so bad he was unrecognizable. You couldn't tell who or what he was. Then they took a crown of thorns and stuck it on his head. Flesh ripped from his body. The journey is difficult at times. But he knew who he was. He was so wrapped up in his identity as being the son of God, he recognized that all of this is worth it. I know where I'm going. I know what I've been sent to accomplish, and I know that I am closer to accomplishing the very thing God has sent me to accomplish than I've ever been before. When you Connect yourself to the right identifier. No matter what life throws at you, it cannot hold you down. When life tries to take your sight, when you understand what you are connected to, when you understand that the body itself was created by God, by the very entity that dwells in you through the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you begin to identify and speak to your eye in the authority of your identification of being the God that healeth thee. Does the Bible declare that God gave sight to the blind? Does the Bible declare that the same God that was yesterday is the same God today and the same God forevermore? Does the Bible declare that healing is in his wings? The very life that I live, the very essence of my very being is founded upon the life that he has placed in me. And that which he has placed in me cannot be stopped. So when life throws these little ripples and you're, you're looking through your vision and it's red and spotty, you ought to say to yourself, I don't see the blood in my eye. I see the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus is on me to bring and restore life in this body. Because there was a life expectancy end date for your natural living. But there is an eternal one for your spirit. 
And you have to connect yourself through what you identify with because that will adjust your attitude about your trauma. You'll find that it loses its impact. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall, not might, not maybe, but shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. When you know who you are, you'll find out that my sight was never founded in my natural ability anyway. It was founded in the life of Christ that is in me. You need to allow who you are in him to define you and not the condition that has afflicted your body. Because the moment you shift your thinking about your condition is the moment the healing of God will overwhelm your natural body and bring it into alignment with what is true. I am life everlasting. That's what you ought to be telling yourself because I am dwells in you. He knew all about this. He knew all about it. And it did not escape his ability to remedy. So he already put in you your healing. Because he dwells in you, your healing is already in you. It's time for you to go into yourself and pull out what God has placed in you like a bomb and put it on your eye. And declare, I shall not lose my sight. This body shall be restored. You see, people, when you talk like this, they think you're crazy. But the word says that I can do exploits. What is an exploit if there's not an issue? So the issue is here. Now it's time for me to do an exploit. What's an exploit? It's a revelation of an issue's weakness and my superior strength over it. I'm stronger than this. That's what you ought to tell yourself. This is beneath me. This is beneath me. This is beneath me. I dare you to start believing in who God has made you. This is beneath me. I'm a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is beneath me. This condition in my body is subject to the authority that is in me. I speak life to my healing even now. 
I'm a living testimony. I am an epistle of God. I am a walking, talking storybook of God's grace. This is who I am. This is what I'm identified with. When you begin to live that out, you'll finally enjoy the success that is at your fingertips. God bless you.